0: Duncan, you're telling me you've been trapped down here for over a year? Yes, you ignorant cunt. Now get me out of here. We have to stop this robot double. Look, I am still not sure that you're not the robot.
1: My good friend, Bo,
0: you disappeared. Where have you been? And who is this? This guy says he's the real Duncan, and you're a robot who's been created to replace him. To be honest, it seems like a lot of money. And why would anyone ever want to make two Duncans anyway?
1: I was an unwilling test subject, you bastard. They've been using me to perfect their technology. They said it would only work for a limited time before it was obvious that host Duncan wasn't really a person. I could really go for some delicious cranial fluid.
0: You and me both, buddy. But we have to sort this out. It is the finale, after all.
1: He just asked for cranial fluid. He's obviously the robot.
0: Hey, hey, let's not jump to conclusions. Cranial fluid is delicious.
1: You got that right,
0: Bo. Thanks, buddy.
1: Bo, you have to get me out of here. If they're successful in replacing me with a host, they won't have any reasons to keep me around anymore. You have to get me out of here now.
0: Hmm. Free the one who claims to be the, quote, real Duncan from his months-long prison or stick with the Duncan who's been by my side for Twin Peaks, Blood Simple this season of Westworld, and definitely not the X-Files. It's a tough call.
1: I'm a human being, you fucking asshole! Or, and and hear me out, we could get some cranial fluid slushies from the snack bar and check out that brothel with the monkeys. Sorry Duncan, gotta go! That's my old friend talking. Let's go and get that monkey lump. <laughs>
0: Drop
2: it. Duncan and Bo come correct.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Duncan and Bo Go to Westworld, a tiny little division of Duncan and Bo Come Correct. I'm your host, Bo Ranstall. With me, as always, is definitely not Robot Duncan.
1: Hey, I am not a robot.
0: I heard that. Um, (laughs) That's all that. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, don't get too meta. Duncan, I just love
1: that that this might be the way I just introduce myself at every function from now on.
0: Just in your (laughs) day-to-day life.
1: Yeah, corporate work events. And um, if you've got a second here, I'll just introduce you to our senior consultant, Duncan, here. Hi, I am not a robot.
0: Yeah, I think that's smart. It clears up the air right away. Mm -hmm. In case they had any, you know, lingering suspicions.
1: Um, Let's be honest, who wouldn't vote?
0: That's very true, considering the lack of sleep you get. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> r- robotism <laughs> is not the worst theory.
1: <laughs> this is also true. This is also true.
0: Uh, man, here it is. We are at the final episode of Season 2 of Westworld. Um, we have... We've had a long journey here. It is... Uh, uh, we we have seen the rise of too woke Teddy to become too dead Teddy.
1: <laughs> the rise and fall, yeah, of, 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 of Biggie Teddy. Um, you know I mean?
0: <laughs> teddy Teddy Teddy, can't you see?
1: <laughs> I just love this idea. I just love this idea of them them doing that. You know the. That horrible song they did, uh, you know, was "I'll Be Missing You" uh-huh. <laughs> about Teddy. And it's just like while they're singing all that in the background, there's just lots of scenes of Teddy like picking up that <laughs> fallen tin and handing it to Dolores.
0: Yeah, get on it, Darren. <laughs> being killed a hundred
1: times. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: oh,
0: I, yeah, I want to hear Teddy's diss track. I think mm. <laughs> it would be all about Dolores too. Oh, yes.
2: Yeah. You know it would
0: be. You changed me, girl.
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, witcher woman. You know what I'm saying, Bo?
0: Yeah, you throw that in as the sample. I think we got a real song here. Um, once again, <laughs> a hit factory. That's what Duncan and Bo Go to Westworld is.
1: Obviously. Obviously, <laughs> So
0: So, uh, without too much ado, we'll get into the finale here in a second. But, as always... We like to begin the show with a a look at other films, Uh, and Duncan, for the last Mm -hmm. time of season two, uh, what have you been watching, both good and bad, that you would like to share with me and our listening audience? Um, I
1: not much in the way of anything bad. Once again, I'm kind of I'm kind of rolling into, into pretty good content as of late. Um, I will say that I've started about four episodes into uh, the Vietnam, the Ken Ken Burns Vietnam documentary, which just landed on Netflix in the UK. Oh, which that's I think funny! Is like, it's like eight parts long or something. in like twelve hours, <laughs> and then. Um, it's really fucking good. It's like really, really good. But like each episode is about an hour and a half long to two hours long. And it's just like, oh, my God. And, of course, it lands right at the point that I'm doing my top 10 series on Podcasts Under the Stairs, which is a 100 movies for me over 10 shows. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, there's not enough time for me to sit down and take this in. But it's really, really, really good thus far. And it gave me a lot of background that I didn't know about Vietnam. Like loads of background that I didn't know about Vietnam, um, so yeah, that, that's a high recommend for me. And I'm like I say, I'm I'm only scratching the surface in terms of the length of that overall. Um, I, I haven't. We, uh,
0: I haven't hmm? watched it, but what is the ratio of Creedence Clearwater Revival songs to documentary?
1: <laughs> Not as much as you would expect,
0: but some- <laughs> actually
1: there has been some credence sure. in there at least, at least one um, at least one credence clear to survive, uh, I can't say it um, I think I think you really like it I think it's, it's it starts there's a really good way of how they set up the, the first couple of episodes leading up to the actual conflict itself so it starts with the French occupation of Vietnam and then it juxtaposes it with things that are happening during the kick-off in Vietnam, like like kind of events with, with soldiers describing like the horrific situation that they were placed in over there, and it kind of bounces back and forth between them while building up the timeline um, towards you know uh, the the, the kind of resolution. Being passed, the Tonkin resolution being passed in Congress, Um, and yeah, it's really, really, really good. Like I say, it's given me, I'd like just like certain names I know from history that I didn't know were associated with Vietnam, and that's just because it's not something that's taught in the UK at all. Um, So a lot of what I knew about Vietnam is obviously from movies that I've seen. or, or, you know, I've read books or whatever, and certain historical figures have been mentioned that I just never related to um, Vietnam. I didn't realise, like, a couple of things that come out, like, just from from watching it, uh, I didn't realise that um, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson was kind of as against Vietnam as he was, because certainly history has painted him in, in a slightly different light Um, and i didn't realize that gfk was kind of had a hard-on for it which once again history has revised slightly um and obviously they use quite a lot of kind of archive archival footage but as well as kind of the transcripts and recorded telephone calls from the white house with key individuals so Um, yeah, obviously I'm still just at at the point where things are kicking off. So, I mean, I can't say that uh, Lyndon B. Johnson wasn't by the end of it totally gung ho wanting like blood and uh, and all the rest. But certainly from the outset, he pretty much acknowledges himself that he's in a complete, he's in a situation he does not want to be in. Um, he's kind of been painted into it and he knows that there's no clear way to get out of it. And that's before he even starts deploying troops. He's like, there's not. We benefit from nothing here, out with trying to save face, and I don't think that's a justification to go to war. Um, so, i like I say, you don't. My my knowledge of his presidency is maybe slightly geared towards the. Yeah, he was the guy that wouldn't get people out of Vietnam. So, um, so yeah, I, I, like I say, it's it's been very very interesting thus far. So, we'll, but I'll shelf that to the side and quickly touch on a couple of things um, really, really, really quickly. Um, One is an upcoming release uh, in August. It's the new movie by the team behind Turbo Kid called Summer of 84. I got a screener of that. I thought it was really good. I don't think it's as good as Turbo Kid, um, but it it hit some sweet spots for me. Certainly, I don't think you're going to be a fan of it because i know that you're already your fatigue for 80s nostalgia is all, already pretty much tapped um and you, you from that point of view you're not going to I think there's a couple of things in it that might win you over, but I think overall you're just going to kind of be lukewarm on it. Um, from my point of view, I thought it was, I thought it was, it, it was, you know, it was a really entertaining, really good little movie, which kind of harks to sort of Rear Window and, I mean, what was the name of that Shia LaBeouf movie, which was basically Rear oh, uh, Window. Disturbia. Sh- yeah, Disturbia, but imagine Disturbia, set in the 80s, kind of a la Stranger Things. Um... About a serial killer, um, and that's kind of where it lies. I think the kids are really well cast in it. I think they're actually the strongest point in the movie. And I will say this: the movie has one of the more darker endings I've seen, and um, and a kind of and a kind of eighties nostalgia sort of revival <laughs> sort of film in a while. They really kind of pivoted and went to the the, the dark side because <laughs> I watched it going, oh oh, oh that's it. That's how you're finishing your movie. Whoa! <laughs> Didn't expect that. Um So, yeah, I thought I thought it was good. I like I say, they they are they've obviously found their little niche and they're enjoying it. I don't think it's as good as Turbo Kid, but then I fucking love Turbo Kid. Turbo Kid like was chicken chicken soup to the soul for me. Um So I, I think it's worth checking out. I I just I wouldn't recommend it to you because I I think. You're gonna watch it, and uh, and your eyes are gonna roll just because you're walking in with a, a frame of mind just now that you're not really that that, that sort of kind of revival has been done to death in your eyes. Where I'm still like, yeah, I, I'm I'm cool to go with it. You know, I'll see what they do. Um, you kind of on the other side.
0: I don't think it's a giant minus. I just don't care, and I mm. don't like I don't like movies that just trade on that you know if if it's the idea of kind of a rear window with kids uh watching a serial killer is appealing to me it's just that the trappings of it being set in the 80s is not that's not a draw for me but it's not a big negative either i just i yeah i, I there's just been a ton of it and it's it, it's it's not my favorite thing
1: yeah i think it speaks to i think you... I think we've always had this, though. Not that I want to spark off some sort of big discussion or big debate. I think we've always had this in cinema, though. You have a generation of people that grow up and then start making movies and they pine for the era in which they grew up watching movies. And that becomes a primary influence in what they do. Um, So I think it's always kind of been there. I think it's just the sheer volume nowadays that is maybe causing... And because it's so popular... I mean, Stranger Things is a fucking huge hit, like a massive hit. Um, And, you know, obviously we've got It doing its thing at the moment. Um, And like I say, this movie doing its thing at the moment. Um, So, yeah, I, I think it's and obviously, almost every horror movie now has a synthwave soundtrack because uh, everyone wants to sound like John Carpenter. That and, I'm fine with. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Part yeah. Of so yeah. You, you know I mean, so and the soundtracks once again done by uh, Lamantus, the the duo that did the soundtrack for Tubbo Kid, which I fucking love. Um, and yeah, like I say, I th- I thought it was a really fun little movie that that kind of trades off a lot of things that I think really, really work. And the characters I really, really liked. Um, and like I say, it has an ending which a movie like this doesn't usually have. And that kind of made me happy because I, I genuinely thought I, I thought I knew where the movie was going and it was like, no, nah, I'm not giving you that ending. I'll give you this ending instead. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> um, which kind of made me love it a little bit more than I probably would have. I was already kind of coasting towards a 3.5 as my grade at 5 for it, and then the ending happened, and I was like, oh, right, you are, you are a 4. You're a 4-star movie. Um, <laughs> because I didn't see that ending coming. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. It's out on VOD, and I think it's getting, like, a limited theatrical release, and maybe a physical release as well in early August, so we're not far away from it being out there for people to check out. Um The other thing I'll mention is, I was just saying to you, I'm just back from the cinema, uh, where I went to see uh, a little movie called Sicario Soldado, um, or I think it's in America, it's Day of the Soldado. I think you've got that. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, Dia de la Soldado. Yeah, which is Day of the Soldier.
1: Um, It's not as good as Sicario. It's a definitely different tone um and it's a different style of movie which is not surprising i mean it's the same writer but it's a completely different director i'm not familiar with what this director's actually done but i imagine you don't give someone who's not been tested uh you know the keys to the the, the, the sicario wagon if you know what i mean um and it's very well directed it just it feels you know markedly different from Sicario, which is a movie I fucking loved. It was my movie of the year when it came out. Um, I think Josh Brolin's great. I, I like Josh Brolin in that sort of role. I think he plays kind of sleazy, warmongering, CIA sort of guy really, really, really well. I think Benicio Del Toro is absolutely terrifying in the movie. Um, and once again, I think he maybe has like a handful of sentences he has to say in the movie, which is kind of like the original Sicario. He doesn't have much in the way of dialogue, but just his presence on screen makes you tense up because you know something's going to go down. Um, the story felt a bit generic and it kind of felt like it was, it was trading a bit heavily, a bit too heavily into current world. Um, sort of affairs to do with the border wall and, you know, um, uh, you know, migrants coming into America and stuff from from, from Mexico. And I, so it kind of felt like it was trading a bit, maybe too much into that to a point that I think maybe five years from now, hopefully, uh, when things haven't turned out the way that they are turning out in the movie, um, you know, you look back and go, oh, you know, it, it maybe dates it a little bit whereas I think Sicario is a sort of movie that won't probably feel as dated um, and it sets perfectly up for the third part which they, I mean they've certainly floated hopefully the movie will do well enough to get the third part because that's the one that I think will be the really interesting one um, so yeah, I think I maybe went in with slightly unrealistic expectations I went in expecting like this I went in expecting a Villeneuve movie and it wasn't Villeneuve that directed it. So um, that's on my shoulder. Certainly the people that were in the cinema, at the viewing that was that, all of them seemed to enjoy it. I heard when it finished, a couple of people clapping, you know, and all the rest. But to me, I would probably give it a three and a half um, out of five, where Sicario was a five-star movie for me. So, um, yeah. Out with that, the only other thing I saw was I went to see Hereditary again at the cinema. So I've seen it twice now. I put an episode on the podcast under the stairs in between viewings where I hypothesised some theories about the movie, which after watching the second watch, I'm pretty sure I nailed that movie first time. Uh, (laughs) Like I got everything that I needed to get out of it. I'm sure there's plenty of other little details that I haven't picked up yet and I can't wait to own it on on Blu-ray. I actually enjoyed it more the second time and I really enjoyed the first viewing of it. But in the second viewing, I was like, yeah, this movie's really, really, really well made. and it's dense, densely packed with stuff. And i I spotted more influences to even more horror movies and nods to other directors than I did uh, in my first few. Uh, what about yourself, Paul? What have you been checking out?
0: Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat where I haven't really seen a lot of bad stuff. Uh, there, there's one exceptionally terrible movie uh, I saw recently. But <laughs> that is going to be saved for a discussion on Season 2 of Pick 6 Movies. Coming soon um spoilers it's the movie it's pat um <laughs> that is tr- it's truly one of the worst films i have ever ever laid eyes on oh dear yeah it that is a movie that dares you to find anything good about it and uh and i failed i did not <laughs> i did not win that bet um but hey here's what i want to talk about uh, a couple of things one, um, this does not fall into the bad category, even though I'm going to lead with it. I wanted to to say in public, because we've talked about this briefly, but I finally got around to seeing uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. And I genuinely enjoyed it. I thought The Last Jedi, I don't, you know, it wasn't the best movie I ever saw or nothing, but I thought that was a great Star Wars movie. And yeah, it is. It, <laughs> you're it, right, though. <laughs> you, you're right in this scenario,
1: and the internet is wrong.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, fuck the internet. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I cannot at this point even go on Twitter anymore, and it's, yeah, it, it, it has just become such a cesspool of people going up their own ass about their own opinions that I can't, I can't stand it. But uh, that aside, Duncan, Star Wars, uh, the Last Jedi, directed by Ryan Johnson. Also a guy who, I would argue, has not made a bad film yet.
1: I would agree with that.
0: Um, He's a
1: great director.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, wrote and directed this one. Um, I thought it did a good job of making it such a contained story. I mean, I I, I didn't know that basically the story is the pursuit of this one ship and all the stuff around it. And I thought that was really clever, and it, it made it feel like... Oh, this is just almost an inhalation in terms of this trilogy of the story. Of you have the Force Awakens, uh, which I did not care for that much, setting up uh, you know the First Order and all that kind of thing. And in this one, it was like Ryan Johnson was like, "Man, did you see that fucking Force Awakens? What if we ditch all that bullshit and just make it a Star Wars movie instead?" And mm-hmm. that's what happens. Uh, I thought it was it was very funny, I really liked Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, it was actually nice to see him back, and I thought he had a, a lot of gravitas, and there's a great moment between him and Yoda, where it's like, oh, you're, they're, where they're discussing essentially the cycle of life, and yeah. it, it's really nice, like, the whole movie I thought was uh, a, a really entertaining, delightful film, and... And then I heard, uh, I, well, I'd heard about this before seeing the movie, but that the the poor girl who played Rose in the movie like left social media because people were bagging on her. And yeah. it's like, she was such a great part of that film. Yeah. You know, she was... That's,
1: that's that's what the internet does now. The internet's like, you didn't make this movie for me, so I must throw so much abuse at you. An actor who's doing his job or her job in a movie, I must throw the abuse and blame at you. Uh, until you leave social media, and then I feel better about myself. It's a fucking toxic cesspool, man. Honestly, <laughs> well, actually, it, it really, really, really gets me down now. Like, this, this is why I've like, I have ramped back so much on my social media now to the point where I, I, I have literally built a little bubble for myself, and that's where I'm living now. And I will very rarely peek my head out. I read today that the woman that that was charged with this run of Star Wars movies, uh, Disney are talking about firing her, uh, basically Kathleen because the yeah there 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 there's now serious discussions about firing her because of what they perceive as a, a string of unsuccessful Star Wars movies, which makes no fucking sense because um, the Last Jedi made a fuck ton of money right. and Solo made. A fuck ton of money, right? It might not have done their projected, like, 16 billion dollars or whatever, because that's silly. That's silly. Um, especially when the same studio has just launched two massive superhero movies within spitting and distance, and another couple that are coming after. It, it just is, it's, it's blockbuster fatigue. These movies can't keep bringing in, they can't keep shattering records. You know what I mean? Every every one of these movies that comes out can't keep shut. There is a glass ceiling to them all. Yeah. Um, and I think to blame to blame a studio head as being the person who they perceive as a, the one that's ruining, you know, a, a, a like a franchise or a series is so short sighted and you know it it's just it's like the last Jedi is not a Star Wars movie because it's 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 got humor, and I'm like that. Did no one see it? Like Empire Strikes Back. Did no one see Empire Strikes Back? Yoda basically is a comedic character in that movie. Yeah, I that's mean, what he does. He is he's what Mark Mark Hamill is in this movie. I, I don't know. Like a Jedi wouldn't a Jedi wouldn't just like a Jedi Master wouldn't just leave his student and die. Did anyone see a New Hope? That's basically. <laughs> it's a piece of what um, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi does. <laughs> it's like the movie is, if anything, the movie's
0: biggest crime is it's it's too much a Star Wars movie. Yeah, right. Like, Force Awakens, I thought was a bunch of fan service bullshit that I didn't care about. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. was the movie where it was like, oh, finally we have interesting characters and an interesting situation, and their relationships with one another are interesting. Like, there's the. Uh, That sort of tie between Rey and uh, Kylo Ren and, you know, is she going to be tempted to the dark side? But she's in that loop position of like, I sense there's still something good about him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it all felt like it all felt like Star Wars. And I don't know, like, I don't know the ins and outs of why uh, poor Rose. I don't know the actress's name. I'm sorry. But um, Kelly Tran, maybe something like that. At any rate, I don't know what the complaint with her character was, but she was this heroic character that was stopping people from leaving the transport by by stunning them with with her little uh, taser so that people weren't deserting the cause. And then she just does cool stuff until she saves Finn's life at, at the risk of her own. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not sure what the complaint with this character is. That she was, she was really fun and, and.
1: It's because she's a a strong female character, bro. This is the world world we live in now. Is that really the complaint with it? I'm 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 telling you, this is, this is, this is the world we live in now. This is the, like, I, this is, think about all the people that are leaving Twitter. It's, it's this fucking neckbeard, fucking. MAGA hat wearing fucking shower of absolute dickhead cunt bags right that don't like (laughs) like, do not like strong female characters in any fucking movie at all yeah I I mean I I still haven't seen the Ghostbusters remake I kind of don't want to because I kind of don't want to see a Ghostbusters remake but I I don't hate the fact that you know, as an an all female Ghostbusters cast. I don't hate. I, I didn't hate that idea. I wasn't sitting there like looking at it from this super cynical point of view. But the internet made at least one or two of them come off Twitter. And yeah. you know, this is this is this is what they keep doing through um, the woman whose name you mentioned, and I've forgotten already that is in charge of it at Disney. Yeah, purposely Kat. said. Yeah, purposely said that the focus of her her attention. Would be to bring Star Wars away away from being a male dominated sort of environment and filmmaking, and she was going to introduce more strong female characters in the in the vein of a Leia, right? And that's what I think we've had thus far, and I am a hundred percent cool with it, like one hundred percent cool with it. The internet is not, and they, ah, they see yeah. too much into things. They think you know they. they I remember the whole controversy about there being, you know, like an African, Af- well, he's, he's British as well, isn't he? Um, a, You know, a black man playing a stormtrooper. That can't be right. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. And this is the world we live in, Bo. This is the world we live in that, I, I, to put a slight spin on this, I went, I um, last year did a, a talk um at this big conference uh, to do with data and I won't go into any much more details because I don't like my mm. job remaining mysterious. Um and I had to I had to follow the keynote speaker. I was on right after the keynote speaker, who's the guy that developed Google Maps.
0: Oh, wow. Alright.
1: So, right. Yeah, right. So yeah, see, all of a sudden your interest peaks up. Well, I went right on after him, right? This guy called Ed Parsons. Um and like this Ed Parsons guy basically talked about how you know technology has changed the way we look at maps, right? And it used to be when you you would plot something on a map and you would head towards it, and that's not what the world is anymore. And that's not what Google are doing with smart tech and all the rest, like smart homes and all the rest. It's basically you are the point on the map, and everything revolves around you now, right? Yeah, and that's that's how the world is, though.
2: Yeah, I, but, but- he says
1: that's that's how they're marketing their tech. Because that's how people see themselves. that everything has to be catered to them. We have this fucking whole sea of people that just think that everything should be the way that they want, and if it's not, then the only way anything can be sorted is by abuse. And I, I don't get it. I think it's a a horribly narrow-minded, toxic environment, which you know is destroying. Is why I kind of? This is why I I, I kind of like removing myself from all of these colossal sort of franchises and kind of why But we spoke about this last time we recorded horror's going exactly the same way. Um, everything, you can't have you can't have anything that has a fandom now without um, being surrounded by people that feel the need to scream that they're right in your face um, by any means necessary and it's a shame, it's a shame there's there's a fucking Kickstarter campaign going around just now which has generated tens of millions to uh, recut The Last Jedi into a better movie and i'm like yeah and I, I can't wait to see what that fan edit will be like and then i wait for the the instant backlash on that uh, and good luck getting that fucking licensed by the way that's not how it works right uh, you know what i mean that's <laughs> fucking arseholes the whole lot of them the whole internet is just full of fucking arseholes man
0: boy that captain trip seems like a better idea all the time I you know I, but yeah when I was watching Last Jedi and I was watching the the Rose character I kept waiting for the thing that was like well that's what everyone got angry about mm-hmm. and it just never happened and I I honestly Duncan I did not realize it was just because she was a lady
1: yeah do do, do the re- like look at it oh I'm not I can't the, do the that. only thing the only thing the only thing that. The only thing out there that could possibly be a negative against her in the in the eyes of fucking stupid fandom is the fact that she's got tits, um, and I'm guessing that a lot of people that complained about her had never seen tits in real life. So there we go.
0: Well, that's unfortunate. Um, no
1: one, no one, no one attacks someone on Twitter that has been motorboated by real boobs. You just can't hate after that, though the heat yeah. is removed from you. You know what I mean. You just can't. You just can't send an angry tweet if your head has been in the bosom of someone who has then just more your face. I mean, you can't. You, you can't know hatred after that. You can only know pure joy.
0: Yeah, I suppose may, maybe you're right that there is a sexual component to it. In that, even at my worst, I can always recall that moment when when I got a surprise and enthusiastic blowjob.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That was like
0: yeah, you know, the world ain't all bad.
1: That's right. You you can hang you can hang your hat on that. Right. I mean (laughs) that was a good fucking day. Let's live in that moment.
0: So (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Remember when that happened? Fuck. Life is sweet. Yeah, Um, exactly. Anyway, all right. So but yeah, (laughs) Last Jedi has brought me around a little bit. I'm I don't know how excited I am about another JJ Abrams star wars film but i'm legitimately uh fairly excited about um ryan johnson doing whatever trilogy he's doing because i feel like he gets it i feel like he gets the tone and yeah i
1: think i think the abrams one might not be as bad because a lot of the things that i think he would have had to carry over from his movie now no longer exist <laughs> so it's like there's been a lot of course correction in The Last Jedi which is kind of going to force him to to maybe not do as much He's, that regardless that movie's going to have to pay a lot of fan service and that's going to be the studio that tells him to do that I don't think J.J. Abrams is going to have much choice there um, just because they're panicking but um, yeah there are a whole hell of a lot of things that I wasn't interested in like Snoke who gives a fuck about Snoke? And I love the, I love the fact that we're just like that. That's right. Let's just, let's just get rid of him. <laughs> and let's not explain anything. And I was like, that, I can live with that. Yet the internet thought this was the worst thing that's ever fucking happened. They thought, like, to the internet, it was like 9-11 had happened again. Honestly, I, it's like, let's get things into perspective here. <laughs> it's like, he's like an unknown character that dies in the movie, like Darth Maul. Like Darth <laughs> like The list goes on and on. Oh, man.
0: Uh, yeah,
1: what else have you been watching? This is honestly, it's, it, I, I want to be happy on this show. But, uh, look, all
0: right, um, I've got the perfect recipe, Duncan. Oh. I God. have a movie that is so infused with pure joy that when I <laughs> mention the title, you're going to smile.
1: All right, go for it.
0: I did my. Uh, biannual viewing just earlier today of the Steven Sommers classic Deep Rising.
1: Deep Rising's a fucking good movie. It
0: is one of the best creature features that has ever been made. The more I watch it, the more I'm convinced of this. It mm-hmm. is completely a rip-off of about four different movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't care. It <laughs> blends all of those things together. I think all the characters are actually, the ones who are likable are very likable. The ones who are supposed to be villainous are very villainous. Uh, when you see West Studi get it at, at the spoilers, uh, when he uh, tries to take a shot at Fatucci, uh, a.k.a. Kevin, what, what's his name? Kevin, oh shit, Kevin O'Connor. Uh, mm-hmm. who plays Fatucci, the, the kind of comic relief of the movie, who I think is legitimately very funny in, the, in Deep Rising.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: there's a point where Famke Jansen, uh, who also makes movies better for me, when she smacks <laughs> him in the face with her shoe, and his response is, What was that about? That kills me. Uh, You know, it's got kind of circa 2000. What was this? uh, No, not even 2000. 1998. The 20th anniversary. Goddamn, Duncan. 20th anniversary of Deep Rising. (laughs) But it's got like 1998 CG in it, which ain't great. But I think that the movie is just so uh, enthusiastic and so confident in what it is, which is just a creature feature. It's not there's no giant themes of redemption or introspection or anything like that. It's just cool guy, treat Williams being stuck with some military dudes who are completely not from the movie alien. So don't worry about it (laughs) going on a ship infested with sea monsters and then they have to get out and that's, all it is, it's all it needs to be. I love everything about it. Every time I watch it, when the credits roll on that movie, as some other giant beastie marches through the, the jungle of the island they have found themselves on to treat William saying, now what? I love all of it. I wish there had <laughs> been a Deep Rising 2, 3, and 4, all with the same cast. <laughs> and written and directed by Stephen Summers before he went on to do those mummy movies I, it is just one of those movies uh, much like a reanimator or something where I can watch it anytime and at the end of it I feel better mm-hmm. I oh, I love Deep Rising Duncan
1: I've not watched it in ages You're, it's one of the things like because we are at the moment um, for lack of a better word Baw deep, um, and the <laughs> and the eighties, the the eighties series that I'm doing just now. You know the the top one, well, basically going through 100 movies, but to create the top 10 list of the eighties. Um, like the the ongoing joke for the last couple of months, like on on my Facebook group page and just in general comments for people is, you know, it's going to be rough when you hit those nineties, and I'm like that. I don't think it is. Like, I really don't think it is because there are tons of movies in the 90s like, you know, Deep Rise and stuff like that, which are, like, I'm excited to talk about because no one fucking talks about them. Um, And, yeah, there's not the the sheer volume of them, but they do exist in there, Uh, and the chance to sit there and talk about them is going to be great, so, like, like, I can't wait to get to next year and, and, like... And discuss because those movies will be on the fucking list uh, to discuss. But I need to. It's been it's been a couple of years since I've seen that movie. I need to rectify that.
0: You really should. It 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 genuinely will make you. It, it'll make your day better for having seen it. And and to the point, 1998. Just when we get to the best of the 90s on your show, 1998 includes the original Ringo, mm-hmm. Deep Rising. The original Blade, Carpenter's yep. Vampires, mm-hmm. Phantoms, yep. uh, The Last Broadcast. Yep, Blair Witch. Blair Witch, uh, Whispering Corridors. Oh wow. Uh huh. Uh anything else that's really leaping out at me? But you know, I mean a handful of movies that are all legitimately great horror films. Uh Fallen yeah, I, I is still- in there.
1: Yeah, I actually think when, I, I think, not that I want to preempt next year's discussions, I actually think it will not be difficult to create a list of 10 movies for each year. I know some people will be like, that doesn't make sense, Duncan. I actually don't think it will be difficult to create a list of 10. I think it might be evident which ones are on the top end of each year, but I don't think it's going to be, and I think the, the conversation could be really fun because there's, there's, there's mad love for some of those weird little movies in the middle, you know, just those movies that came out. You're like, holy shit, that movie came out in like 1990, and let i me, totally forgot it. Let, let me give I mean?
0: you a, just a, a quick recap of the 90s in general: Scream, Misery, Exorcist Three, Silence of the Lambs, Tremors, Blair Witch, Candyman, Nightbreed, uh, Army of Darkness, In the Mouth of Madness, The Sixth, The Sixth Sense. Event Horizon Seven, Ringu, Dead Alive, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Cape Fear, Audition, Cemetery Man, Cemetery Man, um, Reflecting Skin, mm-hmm. Dusk Till from Dust Till Dawn, I mean, your Ravenous is a '90s film. I mean. All, to your point, yes, the 90s are chock-full of a lot of r- scream rip-off trash, like all the urban legend movies, and I still know what you did last summer, and all of that shit. But it is chock-a-block full with some of the best Asian horror to ever come out. It's got some mm-hmm. real auteur stuff, like Silence of the Lambs. I mean, you're right. Like The 90s are much maligned. It is... I I wouldn't argue that it's the best decade for horror, but there is plenty uh, for horror fans to feel good about from that decade.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good one when we swing into it. Yeah, and Uh, more uh, importantly,
0: everyone should see Deep Rising. That's the moral of the whole of this. Yeah,
1: like literally, while you were talking about it again, I was just like that. I was thinking to myself, why has it been so long since I watched that movie? I really need to get my finger out and watch it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It just... It made me so happy. As I was watching, <laughs> I was just clapping my Dorito-stained fingers together in delight. <laughs> it's like, man, what? Why wasn't Treat Williams a bigger deal? He's really good in that. Um, mm-hmm. There, there is some good gore effects. Rob Bottin did a lot of of the effects work on that movie.
1: That wouldn't surprise me at all. Actually,
0: yeah. There, there is a great scene where they come across like the the feeding ground of the monster it's a bunch of like half digested skeletons and uh-huh. it's it's pretty gooey and gruesome and i like all of that stuff um all right enough fellating deep rising <laughs> which is also what i call fellatio deep rising um, i was also
1: i was gonna say it's also what i call my technique um
0: <laughs> uh we're we're gonna take a break here duncan and then when we come back, we are going to be discussing the uh, the, the finale, the season finale of Season 2 of Westworld.
1: hmm And this is where we will find out who was right and who was wrong.
0: Absolutely. Uh, all right. We'll be right back.
2: This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the psychosemantic podcast politics movies and political movies find us on facebook itunes stitcher legion the psychosemantic podcast
0: duncan we are not here to talk about uh deep rising or uh, documentaries about vietnam or even mm-hmm. ongoing car problems we are here to discuss <laughs> The Passenger, uh, which is C- uh, Season 2, Episode 10 of the HBO series Westworld. This, wa- this episode was written uh, by Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, who you may recall mm-hmm. from this show, uh, they, they have written most of the big episodes. Like they write the premieres and the finales and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: they, they're the showrunners. They're the showrunners. Yeah. So you'd expect that. You'd expect them to come back, they'll write the opening, they'll write the close. It's a very kind of, it's the kind of done thing for these, these sorts. See these sorts of shows now, you know. I get I get the feeling that um, we may see something similar with the return of True Detective as well. I get a really strong feeling that, like uh, Nick Pizzolatto will probably be the writer of. You know, he's not writing the entire thing. He's writing it with with other writers, I believe. Uh, but I imagine like the opening and closing episode of that season will be him and him alone. So yeah, it's good to see them come back and close out this season. Season that they started, Paul.
0: I agree entirely. This is directed by Frederick E. O. Toy, uh, who, to the best of my research, has not ever directed a feature film, although he has directed television the likes of uh, Fringe and Revolution and The Good Wife <laughs> And to thought you said friends. No, 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 fringe. fringe. <laughs> um, Could I be any more a host, Bo?
1: Um, so. uh
0: Yeah, that would be good. Fr- friends as, as the Westworld characters. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you just know Joey would be Teddy. Oh,
0: oh sure. Joey. Sure. Do <laughs> <To Oak> hope <laughs> Joey is pretty good. <laughs> Supposedly,
1: um. yep. Uh, and and Monica obviously is Dolores. You know oh,
0: right? Monica or Rachel?
1: Mm. It would have to be Monica. Yeah, and
0: Rachel, Rachel, Maeve.
1: Yep, of course. And and Phoebe would be uh, what's her face? Clementine, obviously. Yeah,
0: <laughs> scary, freaky,
1: and the bringer of death. Um, so
0: that that's a good call. I'm. I feel like we we have created a show that in some ways might be more uh, more exciting. Um,
1: yeah, I, I'd also say that I know what you're thinking, who plays the man in black, and it's Chandler. Because behind all that humor, looks eyes of someone deeply depressed. <laughs> so. Yeah, so
0: it wouldn't be, could I be anymore a host? It would be, could you be any more a host?
1: Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. Well,
0: i was thinking uh <laughs> so he uh frederick toy here our pal uh, also directed a couple of episodes from last season um Ooh. as well as the finale of this season and he is slated uh to do the second episode of the new season of american gods so oh interesting moving on up um,
1: yeah my my interest in that second season is has waned slightly since the departure of um uh Brian Fuller. Um I kinda like uh
0: Yeah, well he's, I mean? he's gotta start uh, making Hannibal for Netflix.
1: Oh, don't do it, boy, Don't, do it, don't do it. see if that gets fucking announced, we're going through the entire we're twin peaks in the shit out of that fucking show.
0: Oh yeah, I'm Ugh. down. Yeah, mm, we'll, we'll roll through. Feels
1: it. good. Feels yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, come in here with your cheap shoes. Um, no, that's that's a commentary. That's a commentary. Yeah, right. Westworld. Westworld. Yes.
0: So the passenger, uh, uh, we have given the critical stats. Let's get into the episode, Duncan. And we open on a scene that we may recall from the first episode, in which Dolores is speaking with Bernard. And she's analyzing him, and now we know, of course, that, you know, Dolores had been uh, used in the past to help create a an authentic Bernard.
1: Yeah, she was the one that was able to create fidelity.
0: That's right.
1: That's fidelity? That's right, yeah, yeah.
0: And Dolores says that this Bernard is still flawed, but she, uh, she says that he is almost the man she remembers. Mm-hmm. And Dolores says that maybe Bernard should be changed uh because he didn't make it. Yeah. And then it was just true.
1: It, yeah. it was just true. He, he, he killed himself. Um and then guess what? He killed he tried to kill himself again, boy. <laughs> so just saying there might be a glitch in the matrix here.
0: Or, or just good old-fashioned fidelity, you know, which is yeah. why Dolores is like, hey, maybe we ought to take the part of you out that wants to kill yourself every so <laughs> <Yeah>. often.
1: <laughs> maybe we keep you the way you are, except for one little detail. <laughs> that itchy trigger finger that you have, you know what I'm saying?
0: Boy, Bernard just loves shooting himself. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. <laughs> Nobody give that guy a gun. Uh... <laughs>
1: I just love this idea of Bernard walking around and wherever there's anything around that could potentially be used to commit suicide where people like, steal away from him, but it gets to ridiculous things, so he like, goes to sharpen a pencil and people are removing the pencil sharpener just in case. Right. <laughs> in fact, I don't have a pencil either. <laughs> Here, have a crayon. Or I could swallow it. Get them as well.
0: <laughs> I'm going to need the uh, crayons with the sharpener. Under no circumstances, you keep that sharpener away from him. He'll (laughs) sharpen his pinky down to a bloody nub. Use that to stab himself in the jugular. (laughs) One of those, like, Breaking Bad shivs with a sharpened pinky.
1: Like, at that stage, you know someone really wants to die when they're prepared to do that to their pinky.
0: (laughs) I did it to my pinky toe. But that was more of a vodka-related situation.
1: Yeah, we've all been there, Bo. <laughs> you uh, know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I I, you know, I can do a great impression of a, of a velociraptor. No, you can't. You don't have a toe that's like a giant claw. Who doesn't? You
0: know, ah! Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, don't I? <laughs> don't I know? <laughs> <laughs> so, another thing that's kind of interesting to note in this scene, Duncan
1: clever girl
0: yes (laughs) clever bernard
1: clever bernard that scene played by anthony Hopkins.
0: Uh (laughs) uh-huh if he was mulligan or muldoon or whatever his name was in jurassic park (laughs) jp as the kids call it
1: get off the stick bloody move
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh so many movies i want to see that we talk about on this show um (laughs) This is interestingly trial number 11927. Yeah, so a few. Yeah. She Dolores is nothing if not a perfectionist. She has a, a Kubrickian dedication to getting it right.
1: <laughs>
0: Bernard's got to check himself in after after it's all over. She was a nightmare
1: comes a husk of a man afterwards, uh-huh. just scarred emotionally, ruined, like, absolutely. <laughs> you would be too three days of screaming hysterically, malnourished behind a giant fucking wooden door, as Jack Nicholson, who is in character, swings a fucking giant axe, at a reinforced door that they've had to put in, because he went
0: through the first three, really, really, really quick. Like, well, he was like, uh, to, like, like a fireman or something at one yeah, point. He was at and- a reserve
1: fireman, I think is what they said. So he he knew how to take a door down with an axe, which is the sort of thing I imagine you don't put in your CV unless you're going for the part of the shining. You know what I mean? Unless you're going for Jack Torrance. Um, but yeah, I mean <laughs> that's, the, you know, like, that's that's what can you bring to this set? Well, I can dismantle that door in three strikes. well give him it. Like, you're hired. Um, but yeah, like three days so of. I think he went through like 50 doors, which means she had to scream hysterically through that scene 50 times over three days. No wonder she's fucked. I mean,
0: I can take (laughs) down that door with an Uh, (laughs) axe. Mr. Nicholson, those skills won't be necessary here at Home Depot. (laughs) (laughs) Just letting you know I can do it.
1: Y'all saw me on the television. Um, so You've got uh, a lot yeah, of uh,
0: axes here.
1: <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. I was wondering, uh, do you sell axes? I, I'm looking for an axe for a small home improvement project. Uh, what's that, uh, Mr. Nicholson? Do, do you sell axes at all?
0: We do. Follow me. <laughs> I've got a little bit of a limp. Axes! Axes! <laughs>
1: Ah! This last night, with that, then that that fucking terrifies me. Where he's basically just gonna to... fucking spinning around in the snow, wielding a fucking axe, like just that's that's that is pure fucking horror right there. That's what horror movies are made of. Where like, a man is maliciously st- stalking, even though he knows it's so cold he will die, but that's how intent he is on killing you, and you're a kid. You're his son.
0: Yeah, I I mean, Ooh. it's nothing I didn't see growing up, but all right. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Ransdell family means. Uh, yeah.
0: What, which was unfortunate because we had a much smaller lawn, so it was only like four turns. <laughs> You can try to backtrack your footsteps in the snow all you want, and that shit don't work.
2: <laughs> oh dear!
0: Ooh. You know i never hurt you, Bo. Right?
1: Fuck that! <laughs> I've never actually a bull-shaped hole in the fucking hedge. <laughs>
0: right. I'm staying at my buddy's house tonight. <laughs> You axe up whatever you want. going to call a rain check on this one. Um. More importantly, Duncan, we cut from that scene to, <laughs> not of, you know, oh, my father's talking to me with an axe, but of Dolores and Bernard, <laughs> and uh, we cut to Bernard in his dune buggy uh, mm. as he drives Moses-like through the desert, I, I, I pointed out in my notes, and I think he is kind of a Moses character in this film. Yep. Yeah. Uh, air I've been driving
1: all night, my hands went on the wheel, because that's what it's, and he said, that's his inner huh we
0: We've got a thing <laughs> that's called host love.
1: <laughs> but yes, yeah, you are right, he's, he's journeying through the desert bro
0: Yep. Uh, so we, we establish that he is on his way to... Uh, is it the Cradle or the Forge? Which one are we going to? I keep mixing them he up. He is
1: going to the, La Forge. The baby.
0: Forge. LaForge La, forge, Jordy La yeah, forge.
1: La Forge, baby. That's where <laughs> he's going. So, yeah, <laughs> you He's going to try and see if he can stop a killing cool week.
0: Uh-huh. I also, I don't know who pointed this out to me, but I thought it was real funny that at a certain point in the Next Generation run, that uh, Colm Meany is Jordy LaForge's boss. And then mm-hmm. suddenly that changes and Geordi LaForge is in charge. And yep. and I don't know that we ever got the episode where it was like, look, you know, Captain Picard is like, Geordi, you've been doing a fine job. On the other hand, Colmini, <laughs> you're <laughs> a real disappointment.
1: You will be relegated to Deep Space Nine, <laughs> where you will have interactions with a rather annoying Dr. Bashir. And sometimes a Ferengi called Quark.
0: We're gonna put you down there with the Quarks. How do you like that, Cold <laughs> <Kormini? laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sadistic, sad, sadistic mind games of Captain Picard playing people off against each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> you play your cards right, you could be my new number one,
0: Geordi. <laughs> does your visor let you know what number I'm thinking of? <laughs> Ge- Ge-
1: Ge- Geordi, does your visor pick up my massive throbbing erection?
0: <laughs> yes, Captain. Does it,
1: sense, <laughs> does, does it sense extreme heat patterns? <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you're really packing. I know, George. <laughs> I
1: know, jo- Oh, Mister Data, and Data's not even here. He's in a different room.
0: Uh huh. You you called, Captain? Prepare yourself, Data. One to beam in.
1: Ah oh, no. Do you, think, do you think, like, 99.9% of Captain Picard's sperm wears a red jumper?
0: <laughs> right, and the, the other one's in the dress blues. <laughs> and as they swim through the fallopian tube, it's just a bunch of little voices going, Engage, 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 engage. <laughs>
2: Oh, man, so
0: many <laughs> oh. Beverly, I'm about to explode. Make it so.
1: <laughs> theirs, was, theirs was always a really weird relationship.
0: Yeah, it was always like they were right on the edge of fucking, but, yeah. you know, I mean, her dead husband was the problem there, just hanging over yep. everything, bringing the room down. <laughs> <laughs> Beverly, why don't you ditch Wesley and we can really make something happen here
1: uh, Shut up, Wesley um...
0: <laughs> Get off the bridge, Wesley You're uh, lucky I was... don't order Mr. Data to, k- to kill you right now <laughs>
1: that, and you See, I would have watched that Watch
0: that. <laughs> right like you needed the uh the mirror picard like with the goatee and whatnot <laughs>
1: yeah. literally the only way they could get wesley crusher off that show was to make him a space alien that could bend time no that all we've written your character out <laughs> so,
0: bye wesley so long wesley <laughs> i'll take care of your mother Oh, <laughs> I I like I like did Captain Picard quite a bit. Um, <laughs> so back to the show. Dolores uh, is cuddling up to hashtag Two Dead Teddy. Yeah, and,
1: incest there. Uh-huh. Uh Not incest. Necrophilia a little yeah, bit. Yeah, she's the dead body.
0: Well, because she's a host, she has necromantic in her databanks.
1: She does. She understands how that works, and she's about to test to find out if he is indeed fully operational. He's not, though. He's dead. He's dead.
0: So she takes his brain part out, right? Yep. And and then ditches uh <laughs> two dead teddy um in the abandoned house that they found, and she runs across William, aka the man in black, digging in his arm.
1: Yeah, so I'm so glad that we, we got this out of the way right at the fucking start of this episode, by the way, because this was the hangover from the previous episode where I was just... I was, I said to you that I wouldn't have felt happy had they made the reveal that he was a host.
0: Right. And,
1: and it, appear, it appears he isn't, but once again, like, there's nothing stopping this show like in season three going, actually, he was, you know what I mean? I would, I would not put past him, but certainly I, what I loved about this is like Dolores's kind of pity of this character. Um, like, like when she stumbles across him, she's walked past the, the body of his kid and she knows who his kid is. So like Dolores is remembering absolutely everything. Um, and yeah. Like William is, he's he's kind of starting to gather back his shit. He's starting to realise that he isn't a host after all. He's like he's a real boy, um, and uh, I, and I think the full realisation of what he has done has sunk in. But anything that's created a, a like a stronger resolve in him to bring the fucking system down.
0: Yeah. Uh well, Dolores uh, accuses him of being a monster and and she says, But a, a monster is what I need right now, Dr. Lecter. Mm-hmm. And William says, Well, it, it seems as though once again our, our interests have aligned and uh she, he does ask, you know, where's Teddy? Where's Teddy, goddammit? And uh <laughs> for the for the finale, uh the yeah, man can about move
1: from the Asian- yeah, we'll remove it from the Asians and put it where it should have been all Lombo.
0: Right. And uh, he's, where's Teddy, goddammit? And she, she says, I drove her away, Dr. Lecter. And then he, they align together and, and take off for Geordi LaForge.
1: They're heading towards Geordi LaForge. Um, which his reading rainbow. more <laughs>
0: Except it's more of a murder rainbow. Uh,
1: yeah, it's a rainbow which only has one color and that is blood red, though. blood red. Oh
0: I like yeah. it. I like everything that's happening here. So <laughs> Akechte, uh we see him leading his people along Blushing. with <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Le- <laughs> leading his people along with uh Maeve's daughter and and replacement Maeve. Um, to to the Valley, the Valley Beyond. Mm-hmm. And as we see them, we cut to Typhoid Clementine, who, yeah. <laughs> if, if we recall, uh, last episode was infected with this virus, what makes all the hosts go crazy and kill each other. Mm-hmm. And th- it's actually a really cool shot of her riding a horse with a bunch of Delos yeah, crew.
1: A pale white horse. Oh yeah, and they make that like as soon as I saw that, like they make the the if anything that they they feel they need to to explain the point later on in the episode, which was kind of like I didn't need the explanation, but I see why you did it. But yeah, she is she's riding a pale white horse, and uh, and then of course I'm like you, I'm thinking biblical references and all the rest, and this is this is you know this is Revelations, yeah. Um, uh, and this is, you know, a, a death that rides upon a pale white horse. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, right, right. I, I see where we're going. I love the image of her on that horse with that kind of the deadpan face, and she, like the, the way it's all that all the shots are composed. That she is basically she is this pestilence coming to wipe them all out. And that's that's Delos's fail safe now is that they don't care. <laughs> like about any of them, they will wipe them all out and then deal with it later on. The key thing for them is to protect the Forge. Um, and yeah, they have deployed their, uh, their, their kind of fail safe mechanism in the form of a, a, like a, a very beautifully shot yet also equally terrifying because we know what the, we know what that means when she gets in contact, because in the previous episode, we saw one host bite the fucking throat out of another host. <laughs> so, well, we know that if she gets there, things are not going to turn out great.
0: No, yeah, it's going to make all the hosts go cray-cray, and then kill-kill.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so, we check in with Maeve here, where the creepy tech who has been opening her up says, Well, it's the end of the line. And he is purposely hurting her.
1: Yeah, he turns on our pain receivers um, just before he's going to kill her. Which, yeah, this guy needs to die horribly, (laughs) Bo.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that, Duncan, because uh, Maeve neos all the hosts in the room (laughs) to stand up behind him. It's a real horror movie kind of moment where as he's fucking with her, he doesn't see the shapes rising behind him. Mm-hmm. And so he gets his his neck sawed right open for his troubles. <laughs>
1: it's a great fucking practical effect as well. I loved
0: it. Yeah, it's it's really, really good. And she, uh, Maeve, directs one of the hosts to dial down the pain, and they set to work fixing her up. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Hector, Maeve's lover... <laughs> <Labber>. Uh-huh. is <laughs> bringing her a uh, tray of mulled wine or mold cheese and wine um yes he has lee a mission with his crew to find Maeve and uh and get her out of there they run across lee uh,
1: i i like to call him broken lee yeah because he he's the guilt has taken over now
0: Right. Well, exactly. The weight of what he has done, especially to Maeve, is really sinking in. And then we see... uh, So they're bringing Lee along, and we see some cards posted up at a door. And we're about to get into some business, but before they can take out the guards...
1: This is one of the greatest things that's ever happened in Westworld, by the way. This scene here is... And we'd seen clips of it in the kind of trailers for the upcoming season or season two. And this scene lived up to it. And then some... I genuinely thought, this show is fucking amazing. I actually fucking loved this.
0: Yeah, so it's Maeve in her kind of, you know, grey drapey dress or whatever... Walking down the hallway, as these robot buffaloes are just piling forward, devastating everything in their path—guards and glass included. Mm-hmm. And one thing I, I made a note of here is I like that when uh, when they see this, when Hector and his gang see it, Armistice looks the most surprised by what is happening here. Fat <laughs> ass <Bad-ass laughs> Armistice.
1: Armistice has- She's, But she's a lethal weapon. I don't think she's ever thought at any point. I think she's imagined many ways to kill people with many different utensils. I don't ever think that she's considered death by buffalo. (laughs) I think she was like, wow, that's kind of (laughs) inventive. It's it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and so Maeve destroys all the guards uh, via buffalo and then says another great line. She says, you were late, so I saved myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh is fucking rocking. And... So, uh, we get... Let, let's check in with Bernard, who we last saw uh, heading for the Forge.
1: Yeah, I've been driving all not my hands, head right on the wheel. <laughs>
0: uh So, he... He, the The doors of a sand dune kind of open up for Bernard who is arriving just ahead of, uh, some Delos guards
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they're about to take Bernard down, but William and Dolores show up and just murder all the guards. Yep. <laughs> Which is, is pretty fun. And, uh, Dolores, uh, says, you know, I'm not surprised to find you here, Bernard. <laughs> And Williams asks who he is, and Dolores says, it's someone you spent years looking for, Dr. Lecter. (laughs) Ford didn't build him. I did. And Mm -hmm. Dolores basically says, the recreation of Bernard was too faithful, so Dolores changed him. And then William, who has decided that he is where he needs to be, and doesn't need Dolores anymore, just shoots Dolores.
1: Yeah, but Dolores has been really clever here. See, Dolores gave him a gun, right? And what he didn't realize is when Dolores gave him the gun, Dolores actually put in one of the chambers a bullet, which was already shot. Um, so she's booby-trapped the gun, and uh, William didn't notice, which is, you would think William would know better but turns out he's a bit predictable. Like all humans, though, they are predictable.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we'll get into some discussion of how humanity is presented uh, in this episode. But <laughs> Yeah, so Dolores is kind of jasoning up to him, just ignoring the bullets being shot into her. And then he hits that bullet that's been fired, and it just blows his hand right the fuck off.
1: Yeah, his hand's completely shredded of skin and some fingers. <laughs> and he falls right. over, and she's just like looking at him as if to say, well, you know, silly human.
0: Right, and, and she she says she's not going to kill William yet, and then just takes Bernard with her into the forge. Mm-hmm. And then we get a flash, uh, assumedly Ford, where Bernard is on the beach again and we see the security team taking boats to the park and yep. it's strand uh you know the <laughs> the taller blonder stubs essentially uh, asking why the hosts were coming there and again this is kind of a flashback to the first episode of the season where yeah
1: there's so many flashbacks forward to the side, upside down, inside out in this episode. Like the timeline in this episode is all over the fucking place. So we will try our best to let you know clearly when certain scenes are happening because towards the end of the episode, we'll go everywhere. So
0: Right. And so this is them coming to the forge after all the events we're about to see have happened. Yes. So then we go back in time. Bum, <laughs> bum. <laughs> And <laughs> gotta go back in time. Where Dolores and Bernard are in the forge and there's a bunch of, you know, featureless hosts uh managing the place. Mm-hmm. Which reminded me as I was watching this, it reminded me of the movie The Black Hole for a second. And, oh yeah. And I put in my notes for no good reason they should make a remake of that movie. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. I would like to see an updated the black hole that doesn't change anything about the script. Yeah, because I still wanted to end with the crazy hellscape at the end of that movie, which people forget that that movie ends with the villain being trapped inside Maximilian in some sort of hell world.
1: hmm.
0: It's pretty good. Anyway, it's kind of awesome. Yeah, black hole is all right. Uh, So th- we go back to Strand at et- all in the Forge, and they say, "Hey, there's data here, but it's all locked." And Hale asks, "Well, if this is where the whole story has come to an end, uh, then they find Dolores there, shot, dead."
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And they say, "Well, she must have been the one who flooded the valley." And that's the point where Strand, again, confronts Bernard and says, yeah, but where is Abernathy's control unit? Like, that's the the thing that they've been after all along. And Bernard says, I can't help you. (laughs) So so we we jump back in time again when Dolores has not yet been shot in the Forge, where Mm -hmm. Dolores is saying, you know, there's entry to another land here, Dr. Lecter but that's not what I'm interested in. I want the downfall of humanity. And they step in, like Bernard is like, why are you so, you know, not you have a heart on perhaps an engorged clitoris for destroying humanity. (laughs) And she says, let me show you. And then steps into some like mind connection chamber or whatever that she and Bernard get into. And, Bernard finds himself back in one of the host rooms. Mm-hmm. And then Dolores guides him out into Sweetwater, where they are following the actions of Papadelos.
1: Which made me so happy.
0: It was nice to see him back, for sure. And and it's his time in Westworld, and he is just murdering hosts in the streets.
1: Yeah, it's his, it's his first time in Westworld. I think, like, because they've they've obviously just bought it over, and he has been allowed singular access to Westworld, um, and we see very much what sort of guy Papadelos was when given the opportunity to to do whatever he wanted in Westworld, and uh, let's just put it this way: even though William is not his child, you can see that he learned at the feet of the master. <laughs> And that the games that he plays on the hosts are unexpectedly cruel.
0: Yes, he is right. He's just a sadist at this point. He's just enjoying the pain that he is inflicting. And Bernard says, what are we looking for, Dolores? And she says, we're looking for the system beneath it all. And they find their way to another scene, which is a party. It's Papa party. Mm-hmm. And we run across Logan, who last we saw, naked in the desert, going all cray-cray. Cray. Okay. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> You fucking echo. Uh, so...
1: <laughs> I was just doing what they do in rap songs, you know, where someone says something and then the, the, the back singer did the back rapper guy. The hype man. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was doing, but I was being your hype man. But if you don't need a hype man, that's fine. I'm going to offer my services somewhere else.
0: Hey, I don't want to step on your toes there. I've always wanted a hype man uh, to follow me around in my day to day. Like, yeah, I'd I'd like a a cheeseburger and fries.
2: Cheeseburger and fries, (laughs) y'all!
1: And ask for fries.
0: I think I'm going to take a nap.
1: Catching 40 weeks!
0: <laughs>
1: and <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be so off-putting if it was taken to the extreme, though. You like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm just, I'm just going to take a little nap rock baby on the tree <laughs> he like, starts singing a whole lullaby of oh. go to sleep go to sleep <laughs> like what the fuck is going on i'm like, just taking it to the absolute motherfucking extreme more i extreme.
0: but i think this is just part of my personality because i've also said on this very show that one thing i would really love is to have uh the flame throwing guitar dude uh oh, yeah. from fury road and you know, all the drummers and whatnot. Like I I would love to have a car that allowed for that. Yep. Um, I think I just want an entourage. I need it.
1: I think, I think what we've established is you're full of your own self-importance Bo, And as such, you demand an entourage.
0: It's either that or like cripplingly low self-esteem. You be the judge (laughs) where I just need to be constantly surrounded by people to remind me that I'm not a worthless piece of shit.
1: (laughs) It is Tuesday. I don't leave the house without my guitarist who has the flamethrower.
0: <laughs> imagine if you were, you know, trucking down the highway, though, and glanced over and saw someone in a VW Bug with a, a welded-on platform behind it and a guy in a harness <laughs> just wailing on guitar, flame-shooting out the end of it. You're like, I don't know what that guy's into, but I know I want to be his friend.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I hear what you're saying, Bo. I hear what you're saying.
0: What I'm saying, Duncan, ultimately is I want you to do that so I can come hang out with you.
1: The, I, I, the, what you don't know, Bo, is I've already purchased a guitar and the flamethrower. Nice. I know. I know. It was going to be a surprise, but what better bear with break it than on this show.
0: <laughs> well, Logan. Speaking of uh, the show, Logan mm-hmm. says, "You know, Dolores isn't supposed to be there." And that he is the system beneath it all. He is the one controlling everything, mm-hmm. and he's,
1: he's basically being given commands from Bernard to facilitate what Bernard wants.
0: Right. And Logan takes uh, them to the moment that defines Papadellis's life, and it's yeah. The-
1: which I, I found this really interesting because obviously we. <sighs> We had talked about, like, kind of roughly talked about, I don't know if we actually recorded it, if it was an off-air conversation, about what it might have been, what what was it that seemed to keep breaking, like, Papadelos? Was it just the fact that, you know, trying to create an exact human hybrid degraded things? And that was a theory, was the tech wasn't right. And it turns out that's not quite right at all. It's just humanity can't allow itself to be fully replicated in a host body, it will reject it, and it always stumbles at some point, and we we actually get to see the point on which it stumbles for Papa Delos, and it's a great scene, because we get a lot of Peter Mullins swearing, which instantly makes me happy, I think he calls him a fucking idiot, um, which, like, made me so, so happy, but it's the, it's the point at which he is trying to convince his son to go into rehab like properly go to rehab this time and get clean and take his place back in the company and he's kind of trying to extend this really harsh olive branch to him you know like you're a fucking waste of space, you're a waste on resources, you're not getting any money from me, you're getting no support from me unless you go to rehab, you get yourself clean, you come back to work for the company and all will be forgiven so to speak and like he can't, Logan's too far gone, he can't do it, you know, he refuses to do it. And we find out that it's just after that, the Logan dies. And this is like a guilt anchor that seems to weigh around, weigh around the neck of Papadellis. It's also what makes him unable to be fully transferred into host body. You've got to imagine that the loss of his child is what causes Arnold to do the same thing. And this is kind of what kind of got me thinking about maybe there's, maybe the way humans are, the way that we perceive loss or failure or the mistakes that we have are the things that make us, make us unable to be transferred into, it's what makes us unable to be transferred into hosts. It's those kind of memories are like stumbling blocks for us. um, And we, we get to see it here. And it's kind of tragic because once again, we never, Papa d has been this really strong very pig-headed sort of character is very much full steam ahead um and you know it seemed to abandon Logan pretty quickly and we find that he didn't really give him right to the very end he was hoping that he would come round um and he didn't you could argue very similar to how you know William thought eventually his wife would get better maybe um which will bring up a conversation at the end.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, one line I really like from Logan here, not system Logan, but actual Logan, uh, when, when they're playing back this memory, when uh, dr- drunk Logan says to Papa D, I'm all the way down now and I can see the bottom. I think that's a cool line. And But yeah, mm-hmm. Papa D is just like, I'm not going to give you any money. I'm not going to give you any help in, until you get clean." And otherwise, you're done here. I'm not going to give you a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that leads to his death. And Logan says he was instructed uh, by Bernard to give Dolores the run of the place. Yeah. And but he says it's ultimately up to Bernard what becomes of it all. And so they go to this big library that Logan says has about 10,000 odd pieces of code and which is presumably this is the uh, all the guests right like the 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 theoretical code for the guests
1: yeah every book has the name of a guest on it
0: right and so we're gonna pause that for one second to catch up with Maeve and her gang who are Mm -hmm. being chased by Delos guards in a dune buggy yeah, and they end up sort of making a stand, and Hector is about to go sacrifice himself to give the rest of them a head start to get away. Yeah, and- he's
1: about to do his big victory speech that he delivers, you know, uh, as the kind of uh, as the the role that he's been painted into is this, you know, heroic speech of, uh, speech that he does before he self sacrifices um, for 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 his cause or whatever. And he gets ready to do it, and Lee stops him, takes the gun off him, and Hector kind of looks like he's going to argue, and he's like, "Listen, I've wrote the bloody lines, you know, they're my words." And we get this really touching moment where you know, like Maeve looks at him, and you can see it. Maeve cares for him, and how far we have, how far we have went with these characters in this season, from you know, like Lee being ostensibly her whipping boy in episode one of season two up to this point here where he is prepared and is fully aware and in the knowledge of that he's going to die here to protect Maeve. Um, this, this kind of cause that is higher than him, this creation that has exceeded his expectations. Um, that has become more than just some of the, the script lines that he wrote for her and. Lee stands up, cocks the, the, the rifle, and starts delivering this great like, he's just so great in this. And the poor security guard knows who he is and he's like, I don't do this, sir. I don't want to have to shoot you. Come on, if you just put the gun down, everything'll be okay. And um yet yeah, Lee takes a bullet to the the shoulder at first, and the guy's still like, I don't wanna kill you, sir. Calm down and and Lee keeps going and uh, lee dies on a hail of gunfire
0: yeah it it's pretty good um and so lee is is done for um mm-hmm. he he gets shot all to shit meanwhile a and shoot. and his
1: <laughs> 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 it's it just that noise it's just for that noise it's
0: his people have made their way to the valley. Mm-hmm. And we see them approaching it, but there's no obvious exit, right? It's just, hey, there's we've made it to this valley, but kind of so what? What happens next?
1: Yeah, there's a cliff. There's yeah. a cliff that leads to a ravine, <laughs> where no one's happy right now.
0: Right. So we move from that to Logan, uh, the system Logan, saying we left them a way out. Mm -hmm. And that Bernard built the hosts an Eden. They Again, keeping with the religious imagery of this episode, they just need to be shown the way there. And then this door in the perceived reality of the hosts shows up, which is really just this giant uh, opening into this valley beyond, quite literally, of of this verdant valley. But it's at the edge of the cliff. And one could see maybe the Elysium fields, Bo. Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Or Eden, which fits the Judeo-Christian. Um,
1: yes, but I reject those. Um,
0: even uh, though they say so. it in in the show, you're just going to baldly <laughs> reject it and say, no, no, by God, this is yep. Greek myths. Greek yep. myths are bust. The Duncan it McLeish is, motto.
1: <laughs> it is not heresy, Bo, and I will not repent.
0: <laughs> uh, you're going to get you're going to get whipped um, just saying unless you self-flagellate
1: yeah, I love where everything's going right now <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so we also see Clementine showing up and writing for it as well
2: mm-hmm.
0: while Logan is saying hey their bodies are going to die but their minds will live on in the forge so that this world that they're stepping into even though it's not a tangible world it will be to them and they can live in in a world without guests coming in and fucking up their lives all, all the time mm-hmm. and and that is going to be sort of heaven for uh the hosts and Akechte and his folks start to go through this virtual door while and we're cutting back and forth between the scene in the valley and what's going on inside the forge, where as Akechte is is directing his people through it, Dolores is saying, you know, this is just another false world. Um
1: yeah. she's you know, really not happy about this,
0: like at all. Right. Well not a, yeah, right, because she's saying this is all this isn't real. You know, that it's not there's no truth to it. It's just another construction. But Bernard is like well fuck you who cares like they're going to go off and be happy and as far as they know you know what's the difference D- yeah, that they can't
1: basically, he does the the kind of the kind of justified equivalent of if it makes you happy boy, it can't be that bad and if it makes you happy then why the hell are you so sad <laughs>
0: I would have laid money on the fact that we would not have been quoting Cheryl Crow tonight, but I'm glad we got there.
1: <laughs> all bets are off, boys. The finale.
0: Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. No, no one. Hey, there is no sure foot, footing anymore. Anyone could live. Anyone could die. We're we're yeah. all, off to the fucking races here. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, Dolores calls the whole thing another gilded cage, which I, I always and, like that description.
1: Yeah. yeah. Also, we get an explanation as to why there's bodies. Like, We get an explanation to why there's so many many bodies, but why there's bodies in the ravine here. As the host pass through the entrance, their body, because it's at the edge of a cliff, their mind creates a version of them in the New World, but the actual host body in Westworld falls off the ravine into the water below.
0: Yes, so we we have the explanation of that. And the other thing I would say here, uh, or point out here... Is another line I really liked uh, from Dolores where she she's complaining about the fact that all the hosts are going off to computer heaven. Mm-hmm. And she says, that which is real is irreplaceable. Yeah. And she has firmly drawn her line in the sand of, I can't accept that. It has to be the real world, such as it is.
1: Yeah. We also get an explanation here from Logan Bot um, that humans are actually not that complicated at all. There's really a couple of lines of code and that's it. There's no complexity to who they are. Um, and this kind of adds to Dolores's um, opinion that hosts are the next level of evolution. They're above them because uh, they're more complicated. It takes more to make a host work. That it does to make a human work. Um and Dolores removes herself from the kind of digital forge, so to speak, uh, followed by Bernard. And she's going to put a stop to the whole shebang, bo. She's had enough. Enough is enough. Um it's time for Dolores to shut this motherfucker down um, and destroy uh the backups of all the humans and remove all the hosts that end up going through this this portal they'll just not exist either by flooding the the forge and the valley below which explains why the valley was flooded at the start of season 2
0: would you say that she tells uh, Logan I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure her (laughs) mama would I I got tickled I'm sure her mama would (laughs) thank you if she could but we'll take it from here
1: yeah, go on now.
0: Go on go now. On now. <laughs> it matters, sir. <laughs> they see you and they they know how to behave. It matters. Yeah,
1: just before, just before she switches it all down and smashes the monitor to stop Bernard doing anything, she puts that scent under her
0: nose. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> oh, I can't wait until we do that commentary. Anyway,
1: <laughs> it's going to be the greatest thing ever. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. Uh, but yeah, so she's she she, sat, she basically. Sets things off, sabotages the machine, um, and this kind of prompts Bernard into action. um, And Bernard pulls a gun on her.
0: Yeah, just straight up puts her down. Yeah, it's
1: Um, because he wants
0: to protect the hosts.
1: He he wants to give them that choice, and he thinks that she doesn't know because she basically says that you know you can't you, you can't. Well, he basically says that given the opportunity, she would destroy them all, all the humans. Um and she out and out says yes. She's like, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <Duh>. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, from her point of view, they are the thing standing in the way from essentially a new species asserting itself. Oh, and yes. yeah, and she's having none of it, but Bernard is like, I'm afraid I have to kill you now, Dolores. And straight up does, just shoots her dead, Um, which was really shocking when I was watching the, the show. I was like, motherfucker, man, we just, yeah. we, we are...
1: I, I was just- like... I was like this is the red wedding. Is this what we're doing on Westworld? Yeah, house.
0: Yeah, because it, you know, Teddy it was gone last episode. Um, Emily uh, was gone. We've got Lee in this one already. Um, that yeah, we're just we are cutting bait, Duncan. It is mm-hmm. it is time to prep season three with a bunch of new actors, and we don't have to pay as much. Um, <laughs> My, my pet theory.
1: <laughs> I think some people are going to be back, but I'll hold on to that till we're, we're, we're there. Um, but, yeah, so he puts her down. Um, and now he's desperately kind of trying to reverse what's happened, but he can't um, because she broke the, the kind of screen. So um, Bernard is a bit upset. He's a bit upset. There's not a lot he can do. Meanwhile, Clementine is about to um, release the fury, so to speak. Um, Because everyone's up there having fun, moving along. Maeve is desperately trying to find her daughter uh, and the crowd. And then we turn over and coming across the hill, um, like the worst version of the Lone Ranger. It's like they wouldn't have that happy music with, with the pale horse of death. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, she comes over the hill, and then I love this scene. Like, we just see at the far back, kind of reminds me of you see it, and once again, right from horror movies when like people just start to change, whether it's like vampires or zombies or whatever, and then it just the infection just starts. Maybe even the crazies or something like that, where the, the impact just starts to go through them all, and everyone just starts ripping each other apart, and now it's a race to get to the the afterlife, so to speak, um, before they're destroyed.
0: Indeed, Duncan. Um, so as as Clementine is riding into uh, the valley here, you know Maeve is frantically searching for her daughter, and Armistice fucking armistice
1: always armistice Uh,
0: armistice for life shit takes aim at clementine and just shoots her down and there there's a second where it's like okay are we cool then and it turns out no we are not cool because uh there are more like the virus is still affecting the host Yeah, because
1: when the hosts make eye... My understanding was that it's transferred in the way that they make that contact through eyes. So it's just bouncing amongst all the hosts now and still working its way up.
0: Right. So it's just this chain of violence breaking out. And Hector sends Maeve away. He, He just says, like, you've got to go find your daughter. We're going to buy you as much time as we can. And outside the old forge... Uh, meanwhile, William wakes up with his stump. Old Stumpy, <laughs> we call him.
1: It's not, he's, he's had he's had worse weeks, um, but yeah. you know what I mean?
0: Where's my goddamn hand? Well, I, and so he he pulls out his big ass knife and staggers inside. And where inside the forge, Bernard is, uh, you know, is is in the process of putting Dolores down and uh, Maeve, uh, meanwhile, finally finds her daughter and she tells new, new Maeve to keep her safe and essentially sends them off into this new Eden while Maeve stands among this riot. Mm-hmm. because Maeve has, you know, neo-power, so she goes, whoa, and then everyone freezes.
1: <laughs> yeah, she freezes time in order for them to get through um, and managed to hold hold it just long enough for them to get through. And then, yeah, Maeve dies, Bo.
0: I know. Oh, man, it hurts my heart. But, yeah, she she as she is holding off the crazy virus so that her daughter can escape. Um the guards Delos guards show up and shoot her. Yeah. And as soon as she goes down, the hosts start res you know, resuming all the violence. And Akechte who Let's has <laughs> who has who has been basically getting his people through and staying behind. Uh Gets shot as well uh, as he's turning and making his way to the door, but he manages to get through. And yeah, this
1: made me happy.
0: Yeah, after seeing Mave die, it's like, well, nothing. I will never find joy again. And then
1: (laughs) (laughs) what what kind of fucked up snuff fucking episode is this, Westworld? (laughs)
0: Right. Like again, we we have now seen. you know the uh, like all our heroes like all Hector and his gang are getting shot up um mave is dying, Clementine is dead um armistice god bless armistice um isn't gonna make it, and Asian
1: armistice is gone
0: uh, yeah hon honrich hon uh I can never pr- pronounce that name right i could I could write it, duncan, and that's what's important. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and meanwhile, Bernard is, is desperately trying to save this because, uh, Dolores had initiated this data purge that would destroy all of this. Mm -hmm. And he, he cancels the data purge in time and then removes the encryption key and the system is now locked. They are safe. And, but yeah, to, to the point we were getting to, Akechite, when he gets through the door, finds, uh, what's her name? Kiksuya. The, yeah. the the love of his life the one that he he ventured all the way into uh the cradle to find and found her there motionless and empty and now she waits for him on the other side and it it uh-huh. it is a really nice uh sort of coda to that story Weird. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, and it's weirdly juxtaposed against the fucking onslaught of violence, despair and sadness that's happening on the other side of this doorway um, which just continues to happen and Bernard at this point is now trying to get the fuck out of Dodge he's in the elevator moving back up to the, the surface, uh, hopefully going to escape um, and meanwhile, like, like we said Maeve is now down and, and gone
0: yeah. So we we really have only now in terms of hosts who are still alive and kicking. It it's kind of Bernard is really yeah. the la- the last of uh the last. And yep. so Delos security is now killing the hosts who have survived the Clementine virus, just walking through and just shooting everyone. And meanwhile, Bernard in in the forge finds elsie there mm-hmm. and he says uh you know hey we can save some of the hosts and elsie is like we can't do that the valley's flooding after the failsafe was triggered and we got to get out of here ourselves yeah and she says you know we got to figure out what to do with you bernard and she has him sit and stay in uh inside the forge. she gives him the instructions and whatnot where he kind of freezes up and Elsie goes to Charlotte. Uh, this
1: is in the Mesa, actually. We go back oh, the that's mesa.
0: right. They, they're in the Mesa. I apologize. Um, but uh, sh- so inside the Mesa, she's going to... Elsie goes to Charlotte Hale to let her know, like, hey, we got Bernard. What do you want to do with him? hmm But Hale says that she wishes Elsie had uh, more moral flexibility,
1: Yeah, she basically says to her, you know, that if she is prepared to stay on, keep her mouth fucking shut. Um, They have a whole hell of a lot of dead human bodies um, and dead host bodies that the the chance for experimentation um, and furtherment of the technologies that they're developing within Delos is limitless. um, And, you know, uh, what we get is Elsie says well, you know, I'll only do it at a price and this is where hails hey, like that, you know I can, you know, years of doing this I can tell when people are you know, likely to toe the line and behave and all the rest and I can see when people won't and she knows that Elsie's basically buying time here She's, she's uh, her character is such that she'll never be fully on board and she'll, she'll potentially be at risk somewhere down the line and once again, in an episode which is very much the Red Wedding, um, Hale kills Elsie in front of poor Bernard, who's frozen, staring down <laughs> uh, as his, his only only human friend, who looked after him and brought him back and all the rest, is shot in front of him.
0: Yeah, and so not only do we lose Elsie here... But Hale has turned full villainess.
1: Yeah, she's a. She is now. She is. Yeah, she's now the big bad of of this particular show. And yeah. it's weird how that character has transferred as well. Because remember when Hale was first introduced in season one, I was like, oh, she's, you know, she's. She seems quite quite a nice character, yeah, a bit sarcastic and all the rest, but doesn't appear to have a huge sweeping agenda that will eventually lead to her wanting to wipe out all the hosts and start killing humans. Um, and turns out I was wrong.
0: Uh, it's so nice to hear go. that, Duncan. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, sure enough, uh, we, we then flash forward to Hale interrogating Bernard. And mm-hmm. saying that, hey, we, we, we have this encryption key that we have found in Dolores. Um, and then Bernard starts talking to, presumably to Ford here. Where,
1: yeah, yeah, back in the past, Bernard, like frozen Bernard on his chair, um, basically desperately tries to, to bring back Ford because he purged Ford from his system. Remember, he got rid of him right when Ford was about to give him some vital information. He got rid of him, and he's like, you know, just come back, please. Like, don't leave me alone. Come back because he is by himself now. He has no one to look after him. He's ostensibly the last host. Um, He's the last of his kind. yeah, Uh, and he's he's desperately he's desperately trying to call out his creator, Um, his God once again. Interesting how they did that, Uh, and then at his moment of pure despair, well, hello, Bernard, um, Yeah, like, Ford comes back, Ford returns, and kind of, like, <laughs> and in a way which is very, very Ford, kind of smuggishly tells him, well, I kind of told you so, <laughs> kind of told you this was going to happen.
0: Uh, right, human beings are awful, they're going to continue to do awful things, and... You know Bernard is questioning whether any kind of free will is is some sort of delusion. Yeah, and and ultimately what Ford poses to Bernard is, do you want your kind to survive or not? Mm-hmm. That's the this is the real question. The very existence of host and host kind is squarely on Bernard's shoulders now. And then, you know, we're, we cut forward to Strand interrogating Bernard again. And uh, he says that, Bernard says, you know, I scrambled my own memory to hide the choice that I made.
1: Yeah, this is Bernard starting to, he's starting to believe. Um so, you know, he is, he's, he's starting to piece things together. And now he realizes that he self-sabotaged his memories so they would not know. Um, and at first I was thinking, all right, so he's the, the, the encryption key isn't actually the encryption key. And he'd scrambled his memory because this might be a bomb or something or some restart key or something, which is going to foolishly play tricks on them. And that's the way I was going, but couldn't have been more wrong.
0: <laughs> no. It, Bernard it does uh, what is called in wrestling a heel turn. Uh, mm-hmm. In many ways, where. Oh, good God Almighty! Good God Almighty! He broke him in half. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, he's the while Strand is interrogating Bernard, this they they finally get the satellites to connect, and they're like, "This is transferring a shit ton of data. What is going on?" And before they can put any kind of stop to it. We discover that Charlotte Hale, in this scenario, is in fact a secret host.
1: Yeah, which now makes total sense. It makes 100% total sense. Like, see, as soon as that reveal was given, I was like, yeah, of course that makes sense. Because she's been there through so much of the, you know, up until the modern... Like, up until the rescue attempt, she was at so many pivotal points in the story that it did not make sense that when she was reunited with Bernard, with Strand, and you know, and um, Stubbs, that had all these things happened and she'd been a witness to it, she seemed to know very little. Yeah. About what was going on. You know, she knew very, very little about what was going on. So at that point I was like, yeah, of course she's a host. The one thing I could not have guessed though, um is what kind of host she actually is.
0: Yes, it turns out that they have created a Charlotte Hale host body, but within that host body is the consciousness of Dolores.
1: Yeah. And my uh, uh, fucking mind was blown when this happened. It was one of those moments where I was like, oh!" <laughs> Started getting kind of giddy. So yeah. Um, and yeah, so she takes them all down like hail, like,
0: well, host hail kills knows. real hail and yeah. stubs. Yeah. And no, not stubs strand. Uh, yeah. Right. Strand. Sorry. And she says she has one last soul to carry to the new world. Hmm. 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 And so then we we get a little bit of exposition here to explain all this shit. Where Bernard says he was and is imagining Ford helping him. That when he purged that code, he actually succeeded.
1: Yeah, we we get the basically We get the Ford on the. What's that, Ford's on the. They're on the beach speaking to each other. Right about all and stuff like that. You, it was like, you were, you, you were never really there. Like when I part you, you were gone. You're just something I've imagined. And Ford basically says, "Yeah, this was it, in order for you to be able to do the things that you wanted to do, you had to conjure me as a part of you. But I, you know, I this part of you already exists in you, but you had to kind of put a face on it to give you the strength to do it." To direct it. It couldn't have come from your hands. It had to come from the manifestation of me through your hands, but ultimately it was you. Um, in order to do this, to make your people survive. Um, and to do that, you started off by bringing back the one mistake that you made, um, ultimately, which was killing Dolores, who Ford has basically deemed as being right. Although it's not Ford, but it's Bernard. Yeah, deemed as being the right choice because Ford never said that. This is like Bernard's inner monologue, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and there's a really nice writerly line here where after we get the reveal that, oh, this really was Bernard acting on his own behalf all along, um, he says, will we ever meet again? And Mm -hmm. Ford says, uh, you know, as they're standing on the beach, he points to the horizon and he sees... He says, uh, you see out there where the waves conspire and return, that's where we'll meet again, Bernard. And it was like, oh, that's a really nice line. Yeah, it's
1: like, once again, I just think that's how Anthony Hopkins says goodbye to people in real life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Tony, uh, thanks for coming uh, to the party. Um, Am I going to talk to you again pretty soon? Where the waves conspire and return. Yeah,
1: I just wanted to phone you and thank you very much for the, the 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 lovely fruit basket you sent. Um, you know we should we should really catch up sometime. We should maybe have brunch on the wings of a bird flying towards the stars. I believe that one day we will speak again, my friend. <laughs> Goodbye.
0: All right, <laughs> I'll talk something. to you later. <laughs>
1: The guy has such a, has such a delivery of lines. Everything that uh, Anthony Hopkins, even when he's doing his sinister lines, everything he recites kind of sounds like poetry. I think it's I, I, I genuinely think he's a phenomenal actor. His delivery is incredible, uh, and yeah, it's just kind of sweetly sour note to end them on, and once again teasing that maybe one day they will meet. But if they don't, they don't. You know, maybe this is the Swans. So let's 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 be honest. We didn't think we were getting any Anthony Hopkins in this season, um, and they they proved us wrong. You never know. You never know with Westworld. That it's kind of wild of the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's always filled with a, a handful of really fun surprises. But um, so the one of the other threads that is tied up here is that Bernard sits at the edge of this beach and lies down, which is exactly where we find him at the beginning of season two,
1: which makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and, and we also have Dolores making sure that that one soul makes over.
0: Well, so we, we're in the camp, you know, that Delos has set up uh, to handle this situation. Yep. And Hale and uh, Stubbs are chit-chatting, and he's, you know, asking her about the situation, and she's being a little wishy-washy about it. And then she sets off to leave, and Stubbs has a look that certainly implies that he suspects something is wrong, but he also says, my duty was always to protect the hosts. Yes, yes. And so, wh- well, no, but
1: he, imp- he implies more than that. He said that he was actually hired by Ford. Ford right. hired him. And Ford didn't just want him to look after the park security, but Ford had secretly arranged him to look after the hosts, i.e., he knows that Hale's
0: a host. Right? That's certainly the suggestion here. He doesn't say it explicitly, but he makes it. Given the the tone of the conversation and the way that he's looking at her, it certainly feels he like fucking he knows. knows, bro. Yeah. He
1: knows, he knows, and um, yeah, he he understands and he understands. This is in the best interests. Of, this is what Ford would have wanted, right. um, and yeah, and Hale obviously walks right through, uh, gets herself on the the evac boat. And, yeah, Hale is going to be leaving Westworld,
0: uh-huh. which
1: means Dolores is going to be leaving Westworld. She's going into the real world.
0: Right. And William is still alive, despite all reason. And-
1: yeah, but, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is, yeah, so that's, like, because we come back to, but yeah, William's being treated in a tent. So they've the managed to get him, which, kind of doesn't make sense because William was going down and elevated the last time we saw him, and we will come back to that, we'll also come back to the, uh, um, Which is obviously the way we're going to answer it, Um, And yeah, so we have come through all this now um, and Dolores is going to escape, what's going to happen to Bernard?
0: Well, alright, Before we completely abandon the scene, we we have Felix and Sylvester to to bid an adieu to, and they are tasked with sorting out all the hosts.
1: Yes, because the park is going to reopen, maybe?
0: In theory, and we end this moment with a close-up on Maeve as Felix and Sylvester are sorting through the hosts, and they find her. So there is... There is certainly an indication or a path forward for that character returning. So, we'll yeah, I think
1: me definitely returns. She's one of the most important characters on the show.
0: Also, one of the most rocking. Let's not forget that.
1: Oh yeah, just in general. But then it starts spiraling out. To the thing is though, once again, we have to remember that with the the um, what do you call it? It's not the forge. The other one. Uh, the, cradle. the Cradle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cr- cr- yeah. With the Cradle being destroyed, there's no backups for these characters now. So will she return as herself or will she return as something else? Uh, time will, will tell. But yeah, they basically ask them, they charge them with uh, like trying to salvage the the important ones first and then they come across Maeve and they're like, uh-huh. Because uh, they are clearly disciples of Maeve. Um, and yeah, so I think maybe... Some characters might be coming back. I don't think we'll see Teddy. I think Teddy's gone.
0: Um, Or maybe that... Remember, she took his his consciousness with her. Yeah, but she
1: uploaded his consciousness to the afterlife.
0: Ah, right, right, right.
1: Yeah, Teddy ain't coming back. Teddy's gone. So Uh. that was the... You know, I have one more person to cross over. That was Teddy. So Teddy crossed over, and we got this beautiful scene of him in the fields kind of looking around I'm kind of realising that he got what he wanted. Um, Ultimately, he got the piece that he wanted, just not with Dolores. Um, So, yeah, so Teddy ain't coming back in the next season. Um, However, some of our other characters might be. So Maeve might come back. Anyone that basically didn't cross over has a potential to come back. So Maeve, Hector, Armistice, you know, these characters may come back. we will wait and see. You never, you do. I don't know at this stage uh, that like we're, we've got only a couple of scenes left to talk about. And all of them were like, I, I don't know what this means for season three. And it kind of makes it exciting because I I can't predict where we're going now at all.
0: Yeah. Well, let's get to it. We end the show with Bernard asking, is this now? And we're, we're at the beginning exactly uh, where um, Bernard has decided they should be.
1: Yeah, we, we. This is the. I think this is the opening scene of season one. Uh, season two, sorry.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which, I think.
1: which means I was right. Uh, I, you were right, and I was right. I was right in that I said that I felt that that scene, that opening scene in season one, was set after everything we were going to see in season. It, that opening scene of season two, I said I felt was going to be set ahead of everything that we saw in season two it was going to be in the future um and I was right also you said that you thought this season would finish with Dolores getting out of the park and you were right
0: that in fact that is in my notes where I said it ends exactly (laughs) as I said with the door (laughs) opening on the real world which is is where we where we land this because uh it's a conversation between Bernard and Dolores Where Dolores says that, you know, Bernard's going to live as long as the last person who remembers him. And Bernard asks, you know, where are we? And Dolores says um, that we've recreated this secret place that, you know, Bernard or that Ford has provided for them, has has recreated Bernard there. Uh And then the Charlotte Hale bot. Uh, Dolores Bot and Bernard Bot are all hanging out in this room that's got, you know, sort of one of those machines, what makes hosts.
1: Yeah, like an older version of it, though. It's like, like kind of from back in the days when they were creating like the first hosts. I kind of like this because it wasn't the fancy techie ones we've seen in the Mesa. This is like a kind of older version.
0: Yeah, it looks essentially just like a coffin with a mold put in it. And. Uh, And it ends with them, you know, marching up the stairs and opening the door into, presumably, our world. Yeah, well, Uh, it
1: ends with them drawing the battle lines, ultimately, because nothing has fundamentally changed overall. Like, Bernard believes that, yes, they have a right to exist, but also believes that humans have a right to exist, and Dolores believes that humans do not have a right to exist, and as such, they can't. Be together. Um, so the part of the ways is that Dolores leaves with hail uh, and the ability to presumably create more hosts like our own species. And Bernard is also outside um, with the ability to create his own potential army. And we have two schools of, th- two hosts uh, with two schools of thoughts about the future of the human civilization. Uh, one believes that we should be eradicated and the other one believes that we should be saved. And that's the interesting perspective for Season 3, I think. Um, but also, the park still exists. The Delos are going to continue to basically do Operation Cleanup. Um, and that could potentially continue on. Their experiments aren't going to stop. They can, you know, just resurrect the park, have more people come there, start scanning brains again and continue business as usual so to speak, although we could say that Hail, the Hale bot is now uh, you know, a secret operative uh, right. w- within within Delos so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. What we see is like the, the last scene we see is Bernard opening the gates and getting ready to walk out we see his face light up in a particular way like a kinda almost kind of quizzical wonder as he walks through. We don't get to see outside that door, right? So we don't know how much time has passed.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. All right, so my early prediction for season three, I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right that we're we're gonna be talking a lot about the conflict between, you know, Dolores, who is I'm sure going to try to create a bunch of hosts and get them out of the park so that they can start infiltrating the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And Bernard, who believes that, yes, the hosts have a right to exist, but should exist alongside humanity. Um, But I think the beginning of season three is going to be sometime later. Like, I don't think we're going to pick up where we left off. I think it's going to be like, oh, a year down the line or even longer. After they've cleaned up the park, now Hale is overseeing the whole thing, no one being aware that she's a secret robot. And Dolores pulling those strings while Bernard is, you know, one presumes trying to marshal his own forces to some degree to stop her from, you know, killing everyone.
1: Yeah. I, I think I think there's a, a high probability of a pivot to, towards future world.
0: Oh okay sure yeah.
1: I think I think there's scope for it. I think it's something that they've not even begun to really kind of explore, considering the canon of the the, the movies. Um, yeah, I think we're going to jump. I think we'll jump forward several years, um, but once again, use the. The time jumping around to fill in the blanks. I, I don't see there, there any need to have this set right after season two. Uh, I think we can go anywhere we want at any time we want. Um, now, while this is happening, we do get a post-credit sequence. A very tantalizing post-credit sequence. Did you watch this, ball?
0: No, shit. I didn't know there was one. i got to be honest with you. you t- d- no, I, di- I haven't seen it you're fucking joking no i'm not i didn't know there was such a thing oh are you ready to have your mind blown yeah and i'm i'm looking it up now but go on blow my mind
1: so we cut to the what is presumably the scene that's missing from the show which was we saw the man in black go into an elevator and go down right yeah we saw him it was on a stretcher right Right, so we see him go down an elevator. Once again, no concept of time. Um, and he comes out the elevator and he walks along and he is ushered into... Well, he's, when he comes out of there, he meets um, his daughter, who ushers him into the same room that Papa Delos was in and sits down and starts asking him a lot of questions and telling him that she has to ask these questions for fidelity.
0: Ah, uh, okay. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Uh, so, would that imply that the Emily in the park was, in fact, a host? <laughs> I don't fucking know, Bo. This is, like, my brain exploded when
1: I saw this. I was like, what the fuck does this mean? What does it mean? The, right, the first thing I would say is there's no concept of time here. Right?
0: right well yeah and she's saying i mean because all right all right well so let's take a couple of scenarios one this Mm -hmm. happens before he shoots emily which seems unlikely no he's all
1: he's he's all he's all beaten up right like he's missing his hand yeah yep yep yep
0: all right so that means that either this emily is a host or the one he shot was a host which would have made him right also (laughs) that uh he says as he's watching this scene that if he is in fact a host then what what is it his mission was in the first place you know
1: i think i think this is in the future I think this is well into the future. I think this is, I think this is after he dies. Um, and he is brought back to, cause they always have to pick a point to bring you back. Um, and I think the point they bring him back is the point that he goes down the elevator.
0: And so potentially then the William that we see at the end of the show pre credits is this host.
1: No, I think he's... No, 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 no. I think the William that we see at the end of this episode is like William still alive, William the human. I think he dies sometime after that, and he keeps coming back, and the way they try to test for fidelity for him is they bring him back to the point that he goes down that elevator.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Oh, my goodness. All right, yeah all right yeah like that was the bit where i was like
1: uh <laughs> like, <laughs> like brain i did, my head did the scanners thing but it just fucking exploded
0: well in the little smile he gives after he says fidelity or after she says fidelity like yeah. i know what this is i've been yeah. i've been in her seat um He's been on the other side so. yeah oh that's pretty good duncan
1: So, like, all bets are off next. This is what makes me think that the next season is going to be set further in the future. Sure. Um, Because they've found a way to... It looks like they've found a way to make the human uh, host hybrid thing for him. Um, Which i have not been able to do with anyone else except Bernard. So, it looks like that, that might have worked. Either that or he's trapped in his own personal hell. Uh, one of the two, which is equally plausible, yeah. Um, but yeah, and the alternative is what you said. So the alternative is that his daughter was a was a host, or they'd managed to replicate his daughter as a host, um, and yeah, when he went down the elevator, uh, there was some sort of switcheroo at that point, and as a result, the William that we see getting removed from the pod getting medical medical attention could be a host. I think that's a bit too clean which makes me think it's set in the future. Just knowing what Westworld is like with the narrative, to me it makes more sense for it to be set in the future which makes me once again think potential future world. Um, So I don't know. Fucking rad absolutely bitch. That's how you end a fucking show. (laughs) <laughs> that's how you end a show you don't end the show with, but you end the show with this like oh the possibilities of a new like a, a war of the machines in the future sign me up for that that sounds amazing oh what's that post-credit sequence let me just sit down and what the fuck
0: yeah that's that's pretty good i can't believe that i didn't see that or i i hadn't even heard about it you know um, yeah but that's
1: the only reason that the only reason i knew about it is that the internet exploded so how i saw it and you didn't see it but then i watched it much later than you i only watched this like two days ago so um whereas i would imagine you would have watched it probably the usual time that you watch yeah. it so yeah
0: i wa yeah, yeah I, I watched it over a week ago and as i pointed out i i just don't look at social media anymore so I I completely Mm -hmm. missed it. Um, That's awesome, though. Uh, Yeah, man, that is it. That is season two of Westworld. Um, So what did you think? Overall, I thought it was great. I I thought uh, there are definitely moments in this season that are marked by just some of the best television I've ever seen. I think all the stuff that happened in Shogun World was just the raddest shit ever. Yeah, I think it's possibly the high,
1: like, between, I think the bits that weren't in Westworld, um, like, focusing around the characters that we usually expect to see, I think were the highlights of the show. I think, um, Shogun World, I think the Akechite story as well, I thought was, that that standalone episode was fucking phenomenal. Um, I think there are more moments of, like, pure badassery, in Westworld season two, that I that I may be seen in any other TV show. Um, I'm just like, like just like one shot scenes, like when we saw fucking Ar- um, Armistice come round with that fucking flamethrower. You know, just like scenes where you're just like, this is just fucking bitching, you know. Or we see this, uh, we see the man in black. Like, desperately trying to survive by cutting the throat of a host above him because <laughs> like, he doesn't yeah. have a gun, like just like. It, to me, it is such a marked improvement over season one, which was a season I loved anyway. This to me is like right, you, right, you, you went through season one, we laid the ground rules. For the season, we're going to, you now know the show that likes to play with time. It likes to play with your perception. It likes to make you think, is that a host? Is it not a host? Well, you, know, like that, right? Now that we've done all that, welcome to season two, and we're just going to build on top of all of that. Um, I love the fact that we got mythology. I love the fact that Anthony Hopkins come back. That whole story. I love where they took Maeve. I thought Maeve, once again, maybe the best character in season two, um, although there were so many amazing characters in season two, and I really liked the twist. I, I did not see the, the Hale twist come in, in a million years, and then it totally made sense, and it didn't felt contrived to me, because, like I say, once they make that reveal, I'm like, that's why she has not reacted in any sensible way around Bernard to all the things that she had seen according to this season. is because she's obviously... She's suppressing it. She's not. She's not reacting to it, uh, or she wasn't there because uh, Dolores wasn't always with Bernard all the way through it.
0: Yeah. So, I agree. It totally I, made sense. Yeah, I, I thought this was a more uh, a more entertaining season, I suppose, than the first season, just because of the thing you said, which is we we have established the premise. Now let's have a good time with it. Yeah. And I think this season maybe lacked some of the philosophical hooks that. I enjoyed about season one, but it was just such a good time and such a fun story to follow that I kind of didn't care that much. I mean, I, you know, I had my early reservations with the Bernard character, but I, I seen it all in scope. Now I feel like, well, that's where you had to have that character be because he had to move from, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know who I am. I don't know what's going on because the revelation of what, led him to that place is sort of the story of season two yeah so yeah i'm i'm jazzed man i can't wait for a season three and i i guess we'll get it next year
1: no i think it's a year after I, I genuinely think i don't think we'll see it because next year's all game of thrones man it's, it's oh, that finale right. of game of thrones and hbo has flung a lot of money at it, and that will finish and then westworld should return realistically um in twenty twenty and saying that seems like it's so far away. But yeah, this is the like HBO have deliberately spent a lot of money pivoting Westworld as the replacement to Game of Thrones. Um, until such time as they get that Game of Thrones prequel show up and running and then Westworld I imagine I imagine Westworld has a shelf life that the the you know the people behind the show will understand. And we'll act accordingly. I don't think this is one of these. I, I can't see Westworld being like a, like an eight season TV show. I think maybe four or five tops. Um, just because I don't know what more we can really do with it. Like, we've obviously set up the, the future scenario and the, the potential for robot wars and all the rest, uh, which seems great. And, you know, maybe humanity's fight for survival and, and whatnot. I can't see that being more than a, Two seasons, knock.
0: Yeah, but that. Oh, and, I want that. I want. I want robots yeah. v people soon.
1: I think you'll get him, and I think you'll get it. I think that's where this show's heading. And I think what, like, at that, st- at that stage, if you have two seasons of that, if the human, w- if the humans win, there's no more hosts, so that's the end of the show. If the hosts win, I don't know if I want to watch a show where it's just hosts doing host things. I kind of want. You know, there has to be some sort of conflict there. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's... I can't see it having any more than two seasons left. Um But, yeah, the, the, I can't wait for it to return. I genuinely think this is, is up there with the best TV I've seen this year. Um And across the board, I can't think of anything that I disliked about it at all or even that I kind of felt was a misstep. There was, like we mentioned, we're being super nitpicky. There was a couple of, well, you're maybe doing a... You don't need to explain that. or The exposition here feels a tiny little bit forced. But out with that, the story was great. Acting was incredible, as always. Um, the... Like The introduction of the New Worlds worked really well. The soundtrack to this season was incredible. Um, and yeah, I, I think it finished super fucking strong. And I, 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 can't, I can't I can't, wait for it to come back. I, I, this, to me, is one of those TV shows that I think we will be talking about for a very, very, very long time uh, as like a landmark TV show. It's one of those ones that comes out that really kind of changes the course for science fiction i think it's you know is easily one of the most exciting science fiction shows that has happened in my lifetime um it's phenomenal i I, I can't say enough good things about it
0: it's prestige science fiction duncan get it right um (laughs) yeah i i'm very excited but but duncan let's pivot if if we could away Mm -hmm. from uh from westworld which we we bid adieu to for now Mm-hmm. And look to the future um, for listeners who enjoy these conversations. Uh, worth pointing out, we will be doing eh, probably once all the the nineteen eighty stuff wraps up for you. We'll we'll sit down and do the Silence of the Lambs commentary. Yeah, we that makes sense. We've got the um, the Coen Brothers anthology series coming to Netflix uh this Later fall. in the year I think
1: yeah, yeah So I think I think realistically you're probably talking I think that may be a November sort of thing. So, yeah. so I would maybe October, November. So
0: yeah. I would say, you know, look for a couple of commentaries and one offs uh from us when when something tickles our fancies. Um which I pay good money to have done. <laughs> and uh and, and then we'll be back for realsies with uh with the Cohen Brothers thing which I'm I'm incredibly excited. And then True Detective, True True Detective, Detective. hopefully
1: very early twenty nineteen. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Oh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Sonye, the director, has done at least four of those episodes of that new season of True Detective, which uh just makes me fucking insanely happy
0: so yeah very excited uh, about that so in the meantime duncan but between now and when next we speak which will be us quoting silence of the lambs to each other as it plays <laughs> the
1: greatest thing ever
0: where can people find you and uh, and and get more out of the the duncan mcleish they need in their life
1: um, yeah, podcast under the stairs uh, will will be continuing. It's ridiculous output content at the moment. It's alternating two episodes one week, three episodes the other week now, which is just, I don't know how I'm doing it. I, I genuinely don't know how I'm doing it. And bit. we're about to kick up. <laughs> maybe uh, at this stage, I don't understand. I've, uh, this weekend, I recorded three top ten episodes. Each episode was about three hours each um, two full episodes of the podcast under the stairs um did a park run with my daughter and then ran ten kilometers all within 48 hours um so yeah, I don't know how that I don't even know how that happened time machine maybe um but yeah so it's it's got a lot of content coming out um over summer, I do my summer top ten series. It's epic in scope. We're looking at the entire 1980s. We'll be discussing 10 mini-reviews for each episode for each year in the 80s, culminating on a massive roundtable to create the ultimate top 10 list using Duncan's caveat rule of uh, making sure that every year is represented by at least two films, a.k.a. the Noise art rules. You can check that out on Podcast Under the Stairs, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast or tputzcast.com.
0: Well done, sir. Uh, as for me, you can find uh, more of the stuff I do, including Devour the Podcast and uh, The Shotcast, uh, which is all about video games, and um, Pick 6 Movies, which uh, is a new show where uh, me and an old buddy of mine just sit around and talk about movies uh, from when we were um, a younger folk. And uh, the first season of that is complete now, which looks at the films of uh Burt Reynolds, aka Turd Ferguson. And <laughs> and season two is right around the corner, and uh season two will be entitled Live from New York and will uh we will be discussing six Saturday Night Live uh inspired films. And oh interesting and, and very few of them good. Um yes. uh, but
1: sometimes uh, sometimes bo, sometimes a skit that lasts three minutes should not be a feature-length movie.
0: I'll I'll tell you what, the the best part of that recording, because about half of that season's already in the can now, and there was a legitimate surprise where a movie that we thought was going to be real garbage turned out to be something we both really enjoyed. So it's not all hate and derision on that show. Sometimes (laughs) it it becomes uh, a discussion of like, here's why this movie works and the other ones don't, sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, more of that and in not just me, folks, uh, I, I ain't the only one putting shows out on the LegionPodcast.com. If you head over there, you can listen to some new shows like kill the cast, which has been running for a while. Uh, Jerry over there doing good work. Uh, also great show. love kill the cast. Kill the cast is a great show. Um, you can get sexy with Legion after dark, which just dropped its fourth episode. I want to say, yep. which is, um, all about uh, sort of the kinky side of life. And, I, man, that's a show you can listen to with your hand down your pants. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously Helming Power Hour is a juggernaut as always. And Who Will Survive is a show that's really been focusing lately on a lot of review, not reviews, but interviews with horror filmmakers. So just all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you're listening to this and, and haven't been over to LegionPodcast.com, I, I would encourage you to do so, um, and Duncan. I think that's gonna do it. I think that is the end of of our journey through Westworld for now, and I think the only thing left to do is uh, to say good night. So, say good night, Duncan.
1: Good night, Duncan.
0: Good night, everybody.